for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. I was singing that song, which I didn't actually know that Tom was... Uh, is that the first time we've sang that song, Tom? No, probably sung it many times. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but it really is... <laughs> you know, you didn't know Eli Sandy. No, never heard of it. And uh, d- I found it a difficult song to sing, actually. But then again, I don't sing in tune, so... It doesn't really matter what I think. But I was reading the words, and it's exactly what I'm speaking on this morning. And so, uh, as God has led Tom to pick that song, um, I thought it was wonderful. Just some of the, the lines in it. Uh, as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. Um, where else was it? As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. And uh, just talking about words and how God has spoken. And uh, it'll be no surprise to you that our reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And let me just read, it's not up on the screen, but I'll read verses 3 and 4. And Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God always divides light from darkness. <laughs> in your life, in my life, in the world, ultimately he will separate light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day, then God said, and and so forth through Genesis chapter 1. And uh, most weeks of my life, I'm going to look uh, at your pathway to growth this morning, and I'm going to help you out for those of you who haven't read uh, chapter 1, but read it before Thursday, uh, if uh, you possibly can. But most weeks of my life, and there'll be a picture up on the screen, hopefully, at some point during the week, I open up my computer and I bring up an empty sheet, as you probably do in time to time, to begin to type. Is it there? Yeah, there you go. Uh, To begin to type, and I have an open Bible nearby, and just like this picture, and like the beginning of Genesis, I begin to create. I think I'm going to do without this microphone. It's it's playing up. I begin to create what I'm going to look at on a Sunday morning. And my prayer is always that the Spirit of God would hover over the empty spaces, the empty page, if you like, where there's no form of words, and that something from the very throne room of God comes down, and I would create something that would bless, that would feed, that would inspire the people who listen, both in this room and outside of this room. And uh, some of you have been asking why we've got sheets of white paper, and I'll tell you that later, later on. But uh, you see from that slide, that's what I start with, a blank sheet of paper. And with God's help, I begin to create. When I, read, when I wrote the book, that's what I started with, that page that you see there, nothing. 
And just like Genesis 1, God started with nothing. He started with darkness. And then he began to speak to the darkness. And uh, God has made us creators. We are creators. No matter how creative you think you are, uh, you are creative. And God has given us that ability to make new things and to bring things into being and to change and create growth. Uh, We do it at school, we do it in our studies, and we do it in education. But often at some point in our life, we stop growing. And what's true with you is often true with preachers, pastors. They study at college, they get ordained, they create a ministry, and then they get comfortable sometimes. And without anyone saying a word, they sort of settle down. And we used to say that word for, for single people, that when are you going to settle down? <laughs> Do you, anybody ever said that to you? So annoying if you're single. Uh, have, they, have they settled down yet? People ask that about one of our daughters. Has she settled down yet? Like, like <laughs> if I told her that, she'd, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what she'd do. Um, and we talk about settling down, and, and growth stops when you settle down. Expansion finishes and we settle for what we have. I suppose it's true in a, a romance or a relationship. You settle for what you have and uh, you settle down. I don't believe that's God's way for you or me. To, forget about marriage just now, okay. <laughs> for you or me to settle down. I don't believe God wants us to settle down. Marry, yes, but not settle down. Settle upwards. Don't settle down. Set your pathway for growth. I don't believe I've experienced everything in God and for God that I will experience. And I've experienced a few things. Uh, But I have not experienced everything yet. And I want to grow. And you should want to grow. And that's one of the reasons, as Sue said, I wrote the book. I wanted the reader to grow. I wanted the reader to go to go upwards, further than they have ever gone before. I wanted them to settle up, not to settle down, to realize that God wants more out of them because there's more in them. There's more in you that hasn't been revealed, that hasn't been created. So don't settle for what you've got. There's much, much more, more faith, more service more impact, more fulfillment, more fruit to come out of you. More, just more. And so last year, I said, I told you this before, and into this year, and even now, God has been like pushing me in the back and provoking and prodding me to go forward. And as it is with me, I just have my task to make it as it is with me, it's going to be with you. So you, this year, 2019, individually, as families, and as a church, we are going to grow. Grow. Get growth into your mindset because that's what you're going to do. You're not going to be stunted anymore. You're going to grow. In the beginning, God. My book, I take no sort of embarrassment about this, this book is a self-help book. It's about helping yourself. And I'm not embarrassed in any way about that. In my view, the Bible is the ultimate self-help book. It's got everything that you need for your spirit, your soul, and your body. 
physical advice, emotional advice, spiritual advice, care, career advice, financial advice is all in this book. But you've got to help yourself self-help. You have got to help yourself to it. And actually, if you read any self-help books um, and the principles that are in them, ultimately, they all come from this book anyway. So you buy books from people like some of them I've listed in my, my book, Robin Sharma, Tony Robbins, Jim Rowan, Zig Ziglar, John Maxwell, Napoleon Hill, whoever you want to mention, all the well-known self-help people, they teach biblical principles because they're eternal, because they're true. And some of them are Christians, and they'll tell you that. But for some of them, they, they have cottoned on to the principles and think, this is good stuff. I need to put this in a book. I need to teach this. And then they forget to mention that actually it's from the Bible. Actually, it's from God. Actually, it's an eternal principle. And they just, I'll give you an example. Many of them teach tithing. And they're not Christians. They talk about giving something back and taking 10% of your income and giving it back and sowing it forward and all this sort of talk. Well, where does that come from? (laughs) You understand? that They're not Christians. They're not going to give God any credit, but that's where they're getting it from. So I wrote this book because God showed me to write it, but that he wanted me to grow and he wanted me to help other people to grow. Because everything he blew breath into and that he created in Genesis grew. So he's created us to grow. That's why he's planted seed in you. So that you might multiply. And in verse 26, we didn't read it, but he says, Let us make man in our own image. (laughs) I'm just looking at you all. You have been made in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? Made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Gene, you look up you know, again to the bathroom in the morning, and you, you look into the mirror, and you see your mother, and you see, you see your father. <laughs> do you ever do that? Whoa. That's not, your father's not your image, or your mother's not your image. You're made in the image of God. And it's, it's why, why? It's because you need to have dominion. You need to take control. That word dominion is important. It means take charge of your life. Your life has been given to you, and God's expecting you to have dominion over your life and your circumstances and your conversation and be responsible for it. Because one day he'll call you for your responsibility. Then he says, be fruitful and multiply. He wants us to take charge of what he's given us and what he's placed in our hands. He wants us to grow. Grow above all, beyond all your expectations of you. All your parents' expectations of you, God wants you to grow above and beyond that. Anything you can think of, he wants you to grow above and beyond that. All your expectations. And in my introduction in the book, I gave the illustration of the shark placed in the fish tank that will only ever grow to the limit of the tank. So if you put an eight-inch shark, it will never, ever grow above the size of the tank. Put it in the ocean, 
it'll grow to about eight feet. You understand? You grow to the tank that you're in and that you've placed yourself in. And some people automatically think, well, uh, the tank is other people. And they're not allowing me to grow. And, And actually, you are holding me back. They are holding me back. My circumstances are holding me back. My boss is holding me back. But maybe sometimes it's your dream. It's the shark. And you're the tank. And you're not getting bigger. And you're not growing. And so your dream can't express itself. It can't get bigger. It can't grow. And maybe in some cases you are holding yourself back. It's not your wife, your husband, your boss. It's you. Because we're not growing, we're holding ourselves back. We're stunting our own growth. And we're not releasing ourselves to all that God has for us. So we've given up praying. We've given up reading our Bible. People don't buy books anymore. Bless your hearts. You have bought this book and bought this book and bought this book and given it away, and that's fabulous. But generally speaking, across the world, apart from India and China and in some parts of America, people don't read very much. But the countries that are growing, India, China, parts of America, are the ones that are growing. You grow when you read. And you certainly grow when you read His Word. That's the ultimate growth machine. God's manna, God's principles, principles, God's rima word for you today. And most people don't grow because it takes courage to grow. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to go upwards. Inayas Nin, what a name, put it this way. She said, And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. The day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. God wants every one of us to blossom. To not be in a tight bud, but actually to express to a watching world just how beautiful God has created you. And who you are. But some of us are in a tight bud. And we feel it's safe there. And we don't, uh, we don't want to express ourselves. And Susan and I took um, Willow, our dog, <laughs> they said pup, our dog, through this field. And there was a pathway, a well-worn pathway through these two fields that we walked on. And because Willow is so timid and so insecure, just the way she's bred, is that she wanted to stick to this pathway. She had the whole field to run around, but she would not leave that path. (laughs) She would not leave that path because she felt safe there. And some of us have been 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years as a tight bud, and we feel safe there, but we will not enjoy everything God has for us. Christians are great at that because then we say, that's right and that's wrong. The, the, the Israelis did it, didn't they, in the Old Testament? They, they had the Ten Commandments, and then they had 101 commandments that they put onto themselves. This is good, this is bad. This is right, this is wrong. Because we wanted a checklist. You understand? And we put walls round about us, not to honor God, but to keep us secure. 
you know, <laughs> I'll give you an example. When I was brought up, my mother used to say, watching television on a Sunday is wrong. Wrong. Just wrong with a capital W. Wrong. And so, um, and so, <laughs> and so uh, we never watched TV on a Sunday. Uh, I was too scared to even try and turn on it. At one time, she came in, and I was sitting in the lounge on my own. I'd come home, and she had come home. It was a Sunday evening, and she'd come home later than me. And uh, she'd been out at friends, and, and I'd just come in about half an hour before. And I was sitting there, as I, as I do, eating my supper. <laughs> and uh, she came in, and I'm sitting there, and no TV on, no nothing. She came, <laughs> she came into the room. She said, oh, how are you doing? I said, fine, I'm just on my supper. Oh, right, yes, yes. And she backed up to the TV and felt the TV <laughs> to, see, <laughs> to see if it was hot to see if Jack the prodigal had been watching television on a Sunday. You understand? Because it was wrong with a capital W. And so uh, many years later, we were married and children, and we came one weekend back to, the, to see my mom and dad and so forth. And it was Sunday and uh, after church and everything else, and she had the television on. Because I'd noticed over the years that she started watching television on a Sunday. And I said to her, Mom, it's funny, isn't it? She says, what's funny? I says, it's funny how God's changed his mind. Changed his mind about what, she says. I says, changed his mind that it's, it was wrong to watch TV 20 years ago on a Sunday, but now it's right. And she just looked at me like the Scottish <laughs> woman that she, she was, like, don't take me on. <laughs> you understand? So we have these hedges that we put around our life, and you can't give me chapter and verse for it, but often it's our insecurity. Her insecurity was nobody in the church watched Sunday TV on a Sunday. And so we don't do it. Why don't we do it? Because they don't do it. You understand? And so we've got to decide to break out of self-inflicted bondage if that has been put on us by ourselves or by those around us with no spiritual reason at all. I told the story of Hugh. If you've read my first chapter, the story of Hugh in my book. You don't know Hugh. Hugh is not his real name. Surprise, surprise. Hugh has never been to this church, never been a member of this church, never looked in the door of this church. And I, I see him sometimes. And every time I see Hugh, it, I have to be careful, don't say his right name. Uh, I, it saddens me. It really saddens me. Because Hugh is still a little boy. He's a grown man, but he's a little boy. He's still got the pain and the bruises of his childhood. It really has. He's hurting. And that hurt just won't go away. Why? Because Hugh won't go past his pain. He's in that position because he won't go through it and leave it behind. He knows he needs to, but he won't grow emotionally or spiritually or even physically with his health until he decides to leave it behind, and he will not leave it behind. Why? Because he keeps talking about it. Keeps wanting to mull it over. So he carries his past and his pain like a burden on his back. And he's weighed down with it. And you might say, well, that's easy for you to say. 
It's him who's got the issue and him who's got the problem. But we all have issues. And we all have problems that we could hold on to. And we have to decide, do I leave the past behind or do I want to continually carry into my future? And for Hugh, he has continually brought, brought the past into the present. When you start to speak to him, it's not very long before he starts to talk about 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. He thinks about it continually. He'll always take you back. He'll always take you down to what he said, what they said, to what happened, how he was treated. Because I know him well, I know he's had opportunities continually through his life to leave it behind and start to grow. But his choice is not to leave it where it should be. He chooses to brood. He chooses to nurture the past. He chooses to think, continually think on those issues. Instead of taking the advice of Paul, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Not, in, not on the other things, what he said, she said, they did, they didn't do. And sometimes that's work, because if you've continuously been thinking through excuse me, negative, negative emotions and negative experiences, you have to retrain your mind to think above and not below. And when God started to create in Genesis 1, it involved work. How do I know that? Well, it says he needed to have a rest <laughs> from his work. And to whatever level work is with God... <laughs> He wanted a day of rest, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. So if we're going to grow, if we're going to create, if we're going to go to the next level in our lives, it is going to involve work. You're going to have to start thinking differently, and that can be tiring. Changing your thinking is hard work. Because you've been thinking in a constant, particular way all the time, and you've created a highway in your mind that whenever a circumstance comes up, you go there in your emotions, you think that way, you decide, this is the way we do things, this is the way I was brought up, you slap me in the face, I'll punch you in the stomach, you understand? This is how we act. This is what we do. Give me a hard time, I'll give you a harder time. But when God created Genesis, he took darkness and spoke light to the darkness. But it involved work. And whatever God wants you to do, he's not just going to give you it. He's going to ask you to work for it. He's, before he gives you the fruit, he's going to ask you to sow seeds so that you get a harvest. I speak to any farmer, bringing in the harvest is hard work. We get, begin to see new converts in this church. It will be hard work. You understand? We have to set new thought patterns. We need to rewire our brain. We need to have new avenues that we go down in our thinking, new disciplines, new, new procedures, because ultimately we're lazy people. 
Your flesh is lazy. <laughs> My flesh is lazy. And our default position is to take it easy. Let's just settle down. Let's just stop all that training and all that reading and all that work. Just relax. And we like to, what did we talk about? Go to the health spa. Pamper yourself. Don't we? We like to pamper ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that in its place. Don't do what I do. You bypass the gym and you go straight to the jacuzzi. And straight, straight to the steam room. Okay, that's what I do. Forget that gym business, lifting weights and press-ups and all that malarkey. Get down to that jacuzzi. It's warm in there. It's nice. It's relaxing. You understand? And so in life, we think, forget the training. Just pamper yourselves. And a few people will tell you that you're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to look after your mind. Because why? Your mind controls your body. Doesn't it? Your mind controls your body. Some of our circumstances in our life and some of our health, some of our health, is down to our mind. Down to, down to our speech. So if I'm going to do something like lift my arm up, my mind told my arm to do that. You understand? So that's easy. I don't mind doing that. But if I had to, uh, well, let's pick up something here. One of the, who's not got a green pen? Who's got a book? And, ah, there we go. Just the lady. See? Thank you, you see? Now, my mind told my body to give her the pen to walk across the stage and give her the pen. You understand? I might not have wanted to do that, but my mind says, no, you do it. So I've got a black pen. None of you have got a black pen. There's only... <laughs> okay, Who's, who has bought more than two books? Okay. Who's bought more than three books? Wow. Are you the only ones? Four books. How many have you bought, Linda? Two. <laughs> well, there'll be a black pen when you buy another three. <laughs> so, so there's the pen, you see. I might not have wanted to do that, but my mind said, do it. And there's lots of situations in your life where your mind needs to take control and do it anyway. Nike, just do it. And that's it in a nutshell. Until your mind decides to grow, you will not grow. Until you set your mind to grow, until you set your mind to read chapter 1, you'll, you'll not read it, and nothing will happen. You understand? You, until you decide to go to the group and speak and share and connect, you won't speak, share, or connect. Your mind has to take control. And some of us are like 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things, childish speech, childish thinking. And for many of us, we need to put away childish thinking and childish speaking. Listen to your conversation. 
What you're saying over yourself, what you're saying over other people in your family. You're rubbish. You've always been rubbish. You annoy me. You're, you're just pathetic doing that. You understand? We need to stop saying childish things. We need to become a man. It was only in that verse when the person became a man or a woman that they stopped speaking in a childish way. It's not that you stop speaking in a childish way, then you're, now you're grown up. You get grown up, and then you start, stop talking nonsense. You understand and thinking nonsense. And there was a time when God spoke, and he said, let there be light. Let the waters divide. Let there be dry wa- uh, land. So you have to go from a thought to a word. And you, that means growing in your thinking. Because otherwise, you'll be saying the wrong thing. And <laughs> we all say the wrong thing. You know when you're having an argument with somebody and you know you've just gone one step too far. And now you've said it and you wish you could just get that word and grab it back and just take it back into your mind. But that word has come from your mind. It's come from your heart. It's not just appeared in your lips. So we need to change our thinking before we change our talking. But if you will change your thinking, you will change your talking. Some of us sometimes have said about people, oh, they're thoughtless. And when none of us are thoughtless, it's the quality of our thoughts. None of us are thoughtless. You really aren't thoughtless. It's the quality of your thinking that's the problem. It's the level of your thinking. Perhaps you're thinking in a childlike way. And God says, I want you to grow up. He wants what he puts into you to come out of you. But if you feed yourself poor thinking, if you feed yourself uh, poor writing, then your speech will be impoverished. But if you're going to grow, you're going to have to stop feeding yourself fast food rubbish. Baby food. Men don't eat baby food. I remember when we our children were young, I thought, I'm going to try some of this. Ooh, Lord. Anyway. <laughs> No wonder the child won't eat it. It's horrible. (laughs) It's not good for you. You shouldn't be eating it. And there's some programs perhaps you're watching, and it's nonsense. It's rubbish. It's not even for, in fact, you wouldn't let your children watch it. You say, you're not watching that. That's not good for you. Go to bed. No, click on the TV. I just paused it there for a moment so that we could get rid of the children, and now I'll watch this rubbish. I'll feed myself this rubbish. God's got better plans for you, much better plans. He wants to feed your mind wholesome thoughts, spiritual thoughts, mature thoughts, and in time, that will change your speech. You'll hear yourself saying things. You think, where did that come from? That's come from good nourishment, what you've been feeding yourself. And God said, let there be light, let the waters be divided from the dry earth, let the earth bring forth grass, the fruit tree with a seed in it, and it was so. God spoke it. It was so. And you are made, what did we say before? In the image of God. So he wants you to be creative in your speech. There's a biblical principle here, and we need to learn it. And it often gets a bad press, but it is 
positive confession. Because why? The tongue has the power of life and death. So what are you speaking life to and what are you speaking death to in your life? The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences, Proverbs 18.21 says. So what's Proverbs saying? It says you reap what you sow. So it's not a packet of seeds from the garden center. It's the packet of seeds from your mouth. You're reaping what you sowed. From the, be- from the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled with a harvest from his lips. He is satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. So, watch our mouths. Because we're creating something as we speak in our families, with our children, in the love we show to them, how creative we are with them. We're constantly creating. We're sowing seeds. We're creating a lifestyle, a future, a condition. And I I mean, I'm not saying you, 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 I I give you 10 pounds and next person will give me 100 pounds. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you need a philosophy in life where you're a giver, not a taker, where you're sowing seeds and the harvest is coming back to you continually in many different ways, family, relationships, jobs, careers, all sorts of ways that God blesses us because our mouth is a pathway for growth. So watch our tongue, watch our words, stay away from negativity, stay away from negative people. Embrace positive people, people who say you can do it, people who say you can be it, people who say if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. If I can write a book, you can write a book. And some of you are writing books, praise God. If I can do it, you can do it. If we can create a CD, you, not me, well, you never know. You can create a CD. You understand? It's because of our mouth. What we say, and we say what we believe. So, um, Rob Parsons, lovely man of God who runs care for the family, he said, he told me his father was a postman, and Rob Parsons wanted to be a lawyer. And so he came home from school one day and said, Dad, he says, what? He says, I want to be a lawyer. Lawyer, he says. He says, we are not lawyers in this family. We're not capable of being lawyers. None of us are lawyers. We're postmen. And we deliver the king's and queen's mail. That's what we do. Great, great philosophy with regards to him delivering the mail. But he was setting a limit of what his son could be. And he ended up fantastically, not now, because he's not on another level, he ended up a barrister, a lawyer, with his own practice. Because he realized, I can break through the barriers that other people have put on me. But you need to watch your mouth. Grow past your inhibitions. Grow past your pain. Grow past your heritage, like Rob. Grow past, past and beyond what others think of you. Other people think something of you. I told you that last week. They sum you up. In a few seconds, we're meeting you. They look at you, and, and within a two or three seconds, they've, they've analyzed you and decided where you fit and who you are. 
But you need to break out of that bud. <laughs> you need to break out of that, and you can be all that God has designed you to be. God said the earth was without form, and it was void, and it was in darkness. And maybe your life is without form. Maybe there's a huge void in your life. Maybe you can't see a future out of the darkness. But God sent me here to tell you this morning, he's hovering over you. He's hovering over us, just like he did in Genesis chapter 1. Why? He wants to create something new in you. And he's going to speak over you and confess over you if you want him to. A new life will come. A new future will appear because God is always doing something new. But it involves work. It involves thinking. It involves talking. I wonder if you're ready. God said to them, the Garden of Eden, See, I have given you every herb, every tree that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth. And what he's saying to Adam and Eve is, take control of it. Take control of it. Make it work for you. Dominate it. Take control of your circumstances because your circumstances need to be dominated. (laughs) Try having a garden out the back and just let it be, as the Beatles sang. Just let it be. See what happens. No, you say, no, 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 I've got to dominate this grass. I've got to dominate these weeds. I've got to dominate this fruit tree. I've got to dominate these flowers, and then it'll be something beautiful. Well, that's like your life. Whatever your circumstances are right now, right today, God wants you to take charge and dominate them and take control because right from where you are right now, that's where your pathway of growth starts. Everywhere you are, every problem, every situation, that's where your pathway starts. So can I say to you, And many of you have tremendous pain in your life. Stop complaining about it. Start praising God for absolutely everything in your life. Because he says, I'll turn everything for good. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. You're not living in my circumstances. And I'm not. But there's a way out here, and it's using your mouth. There's a way through here, and it's using your mouth. And it's not speaking negativity. It's speaking positivity. I've given you everything, and he'll turn it for good. He will perfect that what concerns you. Everybody's got their issues, and they're not interested in your issues. They'll let you talk about it for a few sentences. And that's enough about you. Let's talk about me, because that's much more interesting. <laughs> and and that's true. People want to talk about themselves. But when you talk about yourself, dominate your tongue, dominate your thinking, dominate your thoughts, because that's the way out of where you are right now. Remember I said every week I sit down with an empty sheet of paper and I begin to create, like this message I'm preaching to you just now. So, As you look at these empty sheets, there's no work involved in this. Don't worry. You can relax. Put your pen away. You're doing nothing. But if you look at some of these empty sheets, some of you are sitting on the empty sheet. Some have been crumpled up. Dare I say, maybe some of the kids have made airplanes (laughs) out of it. I wonder what the white sheet 
the empty sheet represents. The empty sheet represents your life. And God wants you to be creative with that sheet. Not the sheet, your life. So don't just sit on it, your life. Don't just disregard it. Some of them are under the chairs. The seats are sitting, so you're sitting on it. It's been crumpled up. I don't know what this is for. And that's what we do with our life. I don't know what I'm about. I don't know what I'm meant to do. So we disregard it and we put it to one side and we get on with life just like the sheet. At the beginning, one or two were saying, what's the sheet for? And then you ask yourself at the beginning of your life or maybe when you're at university or maybe when you get married, what's it all about? And then you get into the mundane of life, watching TV, watching programs, going to the coffee shop, filling your time up with all sorts of things, but you've forgotten that it's your life (laughs) and it'll soon be passed. Only (laughs) what you do for Christ will, as my mother taught me, will last. And so we take this empty sheet and what could we do with an empty sheet? I began to think of things I could do with an empty sheet. Well, I could write a message, preach. I could write a book. I could do all sorts of things. I could write my last will and testament on that sheet. I could write a love letter to Susan. <laughs> Just put that in right now. <laughs> I could write my aims and objectives on that sheet. I could write my diary on that sheet. It's just a blank sheet. But you're just a blank life. What are you filling it with? Somebody could take that sheet and write a bestseller and make millions just with that sheet that's sitting in front of you, that you're sitting on, that's under your seat. That white sheet, they could take it. Somebody could take your circumstances and make a success out of them where you're failing. How would they do that? Through their thinking and through their talking. That's how they would do it. And what they can do, you can do. There's no difference. There really isn't. So take your life, take your empty sheet, if if you like, and make something of it. Don't waste time. Don't waste opportunities. Be productive. I noted something. I'm nearly finished. Something in the first chapter of Genesis, five times, I think God says, And God saw it, that it was good. It was good. Or to look back in your life, in your deathbed. Just transport decades. And you go in your deathbed. Or somehow you're transported to glory. The Lord comes back. Or you you do something amazing. Like you see some of the biblical characters in the Old Testament. You're just transported in in a cloud. Look back in your life. Was it good? Well, let's go back to the present and look back in your life now and think, was it good? Well, there was parts of it good, parts of it not so good, parts of it positive, parts of it negative. But you see, with God, there's nothing wasted. Even if you've blown it, He can take where you've blown it and make a success out of it. So why regret? Why regret? You know, often you hear a mother say, or a father say, we didn't expect this child, we didn't want this child, but I wouldn't do without this child now. 
You understand? So the child was rejected at the beginning, but now it's accepted. Why? Because they've done life with this child and they've grown to love this child and something positive has come out of this situation. Well, all your pain and all your difficulty and all your experiences, one day, maybe not today, but one day, you'll look back and say, I grew out of that. I got to the next level. I got to the next chapter in my life because I decided I am going to grow from here to where God wants to take me. No one is a waste of time. None of these sheets is a waste of paper. You may think, he's put all that paper, that's a waste of paper. Well, let me tell you something. You learned this lesson this morning, and all that paper, and much, much more paper, is worth it. Because each paper represents a life. And some of the seats have empty sheets of paper on an empty seat. That's the people still to come here. That's the people still to arrive. That's the people still to grow. And when they arrive, and when they start to grow, will you be speaking negativity to them? Or will you be speaking positivity to them? Will you speak blessings? Or will you speak curses? God says, be fruitful and multiply. Fruit brings multiplication because inside every piece of fruit is what? A seed. And so everyone that's going to arrive, everyone that has arrived, every one of us has seed inside of us. And I'm praying this morning, really praying this morning, that in your life, as in my life, we will see an abundance of fruit. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. The past is the past. Don't be like you. Don't carry a burden on your shoulders. God does not want you to do that. If you've dealt with it with Him, it's forgiven, forgotten, and gone. Father, I thank You for Your love for each one of us, that You are the God of creation, that You spoke to the dark, and the dark could no longer be light. Galaxies were born. Planets were born. Stars came into being. You created. And God, you have made us creators. Lord, I pray that we'll create blessing. We'll create a harvest. So that one day we'll look back and say, it's good. It's good. It was good that I was here. It was good that I worked hard. It was good that I spoke well. It's good that I gave my mind good things to think through. Thank you, Father, that your children are getting ready to grow. Help us grow, Lord. Put us in circumstances where we almost have to grow. Put us in situations, Lord, where we have a chance to speak for you. Help our thinking. Where some of us have got negativity through our parents and our grandparents, Lord, we, we speak right now and we break that curse. We cut it off at the root and we say, no longer, not my words, but your words, Lord. Let me be creative in my talking. 
Let me be creative in my walking, Father. So bless us, Lord, as we continue to worship you, the great creator. Because in the beginning, you were. In the beginning, God. Thanks, Tom. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.